Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. To the concession stand with J.W. Caldwell. Hello, and I am your host, J.W. Caldwell, the movie guy. Thank you so much for joining me on my first episode of the Concession Stand for the Beats and Eats Network. Uh, I want to thank Ty Ray and Nick Jelso for giving me the opportunity to join them in their pop culture pandemonium uh, online. I'm so excited to be here. Um, we got a lot to do, and we got a lot of good things to talk about. Um, a little bit about me. My name is J.W. Caldwell. I, I did grow up in movie theaters. I am you know, very lucky that my father ran a movie theater for a big chain and for an independent uh later in his career. Um, I later worked for a big chain movie theater and also an independent. So I know a lot about the business side of uh, the movie theater business. I know a lot about movies because my dad was a great teacher. He loved all kinds of great movies. Uh, And I am here to talk about all kinds of pop culture. Um, Movies are definitely high on my list. Uh, Books, video games, television, uh, comic books, toys, anything you want to talk about, we're going to bring up on the show. Uh, I'm going to do two bi-weekly shows a week. Uh, they're going to be about 15, 20 minutes each. We're just going to go over general things. I'm going to try to get some movie reviews in there, and I'm also going to try to do uh, whatever the big subject is of the week. So if a big franchise is coming out or if a big movie is coming out, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about box office grosses. We're going to talk about everything that makes the movie business so exciting. We're also going to get some TV in there. Uh, you know, TV is a big part of what's going on in the, in the pop culture realm right now. Because a lot of the television that you're seeing is uh, basically movie quality. The, the shows Game of Thrones and Walking Dead and, and some of the shows on the CW, Flash and whatnot, they're, they're as good as movies every week. They're, they have high budgets, they're well done, and they're definitely part of pop culture. Uh, we're going to definitely talk about books and things that are going to be the next big pop culture rage. So the, the new Game of Thrones, what's going to be the, the next Game of Thrones is always on my mind. Um, and basically you're just going to have to deal with me and my love of movies and my craziness. Um, and I'm, I'm a talker, so I try to get things done and try to talk. Uh, and the first thing we're going to talk about, uh, on our first episode has got to be the Oscar nominations. So we're coming, uh, out in the middle of January and, and Oscar nominations came out last week and it's been a pretty good year at the movies, um, both genre and for, you know, small independent movies and the Oscar nominations kind of had that flavor to them. Uh, of course, most of the, the talk about the Oscars right now is about the Oscar controversy. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of uh, adversity with regards to the nominations and Oscars so white is the hashtag. Uh, 
I, I do want to delve into it a little bit. Uh, I don't think that the Oscar nominations are racist. I, I think that this year we had a, a confluence of events that actually caused them to not nominate things that people may have thought they were going to get nominated. Uh, a perfect example would be something like Beasts of No Nation, which premiered on Netflix and in theaters simultaneously. Now, that is a great thing for people who have Netflix and is a great thing for movies to get out there um, and are you know mass-consumed uh, the way Netflix is doing it. Uh, and certainly Netflix is at the height of their game with regards to producing things right now, uh, especially with all their shows, House of Cards and Orange is the New Black and Daredevil and Jessica Jones. So they're definitely on the cusp of uh, produ- producing quality entertainment for everyone. The problem there is that they went Dan date with theaters. So Idris Elba, who's in Beast of No Nation, probably should have gotten a nomination, and the movie was important enough to probably get a nomination. But movie studios and theaters in particular refused to play the movie. So you had a, a problem where the delivery of that particular movie, not in a racist way, but the delivery of that movie on Netflix and streaming as opposed to playing in a theater and having an Oscar Academy Award run, uh, like, say, around December, the way big, big, huge movies that are going to be Oscar contenders do, um, is that the day-and-date strategy played against it. So it got it got noticed. It was people, you know, believe in the film. It's a powerful, powerful film. But the thing that held it back is that studio heads and theaters didn't really like the release schedule of it. So that hurt that movie. Another movie that could have been in contention was uh, Will Smith and Concussion. But in all honesty, the movie never caught on. Um, you know, when you're dealing with the most popular sport in the in the wor- in the United States, I should say. I don't want to say the world because certainly soccer is. But when you're dealing with the most popular sport in the United States, and it's such a controversial topic, and it's all about you know the gladiators that we watch every Sunday maybe falling down and not being able to get back up and us enjoying and reveling in their in their pain, but also in not really paying attention to their suffering afterwards, it didn't catch on. And when the movie doesn't catch on, all of a sudden you have a, a problem with being able to latch on to an audience. And for a lot of people, when Will Smith is in something, there is an inclination to just go and see it. Uh, you know, he is, he is a major star, who's kind of on the downtrend right now. So all of a sudden you have people not going to see the movie and it's a controversial topic and it's all of a sudden not Oscar caliber. Um, It becomes this weird place where the Oscar caliber movie gets dropped out of the running and then it's all because of a little bit of box office, a little bit of, you know, somebody is sometimes you're smelling Oscar, like trying to get an Oscar role like Will Smith did. Um, and all of a sudden it's not in contention. And I think that's what happened with concussion. So no racism there either. Uh, the third movie that actually warrants some talk is straight out of Compton. Now that, this is a weird case, but I can, I think I can explain it the way the Academy works. Although the Academy's nomination for straight out of Compton for the, the two white screenwriters of straight out of Compton is controversial into itself. Um, but it would make sense for Straight Outta Compton to be nominated for Best Screenplay. And hear me out on this. When you watch the Oscars as long as I have, all of my, almost all my life, I've watched them since I was four years old, um, you know, on my dad's lap, 
staying up late and not having to go to school the next day. It was a holiday in our house. Uh, basically, what you're looking at is Straight Outta Compton is a is a hip, controversial, young skew, skewing movie. Uh, those movies tend to gravitate towards the screenplay nominations. So you get your Quentin Tarantino nominations, you get your Woody Allen movies, you get movies that are a little bit not, you know, a little bit young, skew young, uh, Juno comes to mind. And they're put in the, the screenplay categories. And that's kind of like their reward, not necessarily Best Picture nomination, but the reward that this is a great movie that has a good screenplay and was well done. It turns out that it's written by white screenwriters. So all of a sudden, it becomes that Straight Outta Compton, a, a succinctly black movie with black actors doing a great performances and a really good movie, is nominated in the, support, in the screenplay category and all of a sudden you look up and it's, oh my God, what happened? Why is it the white people are the only ones that got nominated? So I think it was a confluence of events. I don't actually think the Oscars are racist. I do think that the voting body of the uh, the Academy Awards is older. And I think a lot of the movies that are, are urban tend to gravitate younger. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to have that mix where, you know, it doesn't, it just doesn't come together. Now, every once in a while it does... Um, you know, but it's funny that in a year where we're talking about, you know, uh, people trying to get Academy Awards and people trying to do whatever, uh, the Oscar So White thing is coming into play. Now, one of the things is we're talking about a big boycott. Jada Pinkett Smith and Michael Moore and Spike Lee uh, and Will Smith are all boycotting this year's Academy Awards, and that's within their power to do so. Uh, I do, I do like how some people have looked at it intricate like intricately and understand that it's not necessarily racism and the idea of boycotting something you don't normally go to is is something an interesting take on it ice cube had a real interesting take on the graham norton show where he basically said i'm not going to boycott something i don't normally go to straight out of compton wasn't made for awards if we get awards great but it was made people liked it the audience liked it the audience got it I don't really, you know, if we get a pat on the back from Hollywood, that's great, but we don't need it. And I love his take on that, that I'm not going to boycott something I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally go to myself. So um, the other side of the boycott that they're talking about is whether or not Chris Rock should boycott. And I am going to say no. <laughs> Chris, Chris Rock should host the show, and Chris Rock should take the show to task for not uh, having membership that is indicative of minorities, Latinos, blacks, Asians, across the board um, in it. The Academy is a very big, large voting body. It votes for itself. It votes in different categories. Um, And basically, the voting structure in the body isn't conducive to shout-outs to to minorities at this point. So maybe maybe we can have an outreach to bring more voters into the frame that would spread out and make things a little bit more even. But Chris Rock should definitely host, and Chris Rock should definitely take it to task and do what he does best, which is, you know, shine a light on things that are that are funny, but also incredibly true and heartbreaking. So um, I do think Straight Outta Compton should have got a Best Picture nomination. And I also think that the funny thing about it is it's not, it shouldn't be that Oscars are so white. It's that Oscars are so old is where it should go. And I, I actually think that if the Academy had nominated Straight Outta Compton 
and to a lesser extent, Star Wars The Force Awakens, so much of the skewer about the Academy being old and out of touch and what movies are we seeing and what movies are they are they showing us would have been taken out of the equation. Now, that being said, it was a very good year for genre movies because you have The Martian, which is a big budget spectacular that did very well at the box office that's kind of a, you know, easily digestible sci-fi and with a, uh, you know, young actor, young star, uh, Matt Damon, that basically, you know, touches all levels. You have Mad Max Fury Road, which has got a lot of love this year, and it deservedly so. Um, and so it's not that they didn't skew too young, it's just that they didn't nominate the right movies. And and for people that are watching the Academy Awards like myself, that happens a lot. So um, it's not that they're racist, I actually think it's that they're old. And, it, you know, as much as people want to talk about it, I think they're a confluence of events for the... The three or four movies that could, you know, that could have gotten nominations, kind of hurt the chances of getting any kind of people of color nominated this year. So that's my take on that. The Oscar nominations are, are in. You know, they're exciting. Um, I, I did see The Revenant recently. Uh, the Revenant is one of the best pictures of the year. The funny thing about The Revenant is that it's got the most nominations, but it's easily the least the least digestible of the mainstream movies that are, or even the independent movies that are on the list for the Academy Awards. Um, so The Revenant leads the list. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio going for his Oscar. Uh, Alejandro G. Inaratu looking to win two consecutive Best Director Oscars. Um, and it's a great movie. It's, it's exceptionally well done. Um, but I actually think it's got some problems with regards to uh, the Academy Awards. Uh, this past weekend, the Producers Guild of America, which is a huge indicative Oscar of uh, indicative of what is going to be the Academy Award winner, gave its award to The Big Short, which is a great movie uh, about the housing crisis that is exceptionally well done um, and is second in nominations to The Revenant. So we have a little bit of a race building. I, I thought coming out of the Golden Globes with uh, The Martian picking up a lot, it was going to be The Martian versus uh, The Revenant. But I'm, I'm actually leaning now, um, today, uh, thinking about it, it's, it could be The Revenant going up against The Big Short. The Big Short is a all-star cast comedy. Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Christian Bale. Really well done. Um, and it came out of this week's Producers Guild with a huge win. Um, so that sets up the stage for a huge fight on Oscar night between The Revenant and the big short uh, it should be a great night. It should be a good night for Oscars. Um, and this controversy, while terrible right now, could end up becoming a boon because I think a lot of people are going to tune in just to see what Chris Rock has to say. Chris Rock is one of our best comedians. He is one of our best voices on all things that are ironic and stupid, and he shines that mirror right back at us. So I think we're going to get a, a, a... The monologue should be killer. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to tune in just to see that. Um, I don't think there's a controversy with regards to... I, I think there is a controversy, but again, I think there's a reason for all of it. So um, on to other things. Uh, this week uh, it marks the return of one of the great franchises from the 90s, uh, current nostalgia trend. The X-Files returned to Fox Television this week. 
Uh, it's gonna. It premiered after the NFC title game on Fox, and it will have a second episode on the Monday night following that, and then it will settle into a Monday night regular schedule for six consecutive weeks. Um, and you know, it's gonna be one of those shows where, you know, it's tapping into that vein of nostalgia. Uh, you know, the, the original show in the '90s was was one of the most popular franchises. Going, Chris Carter created something with Fox Mulder and Dana Scully that, you know, you tuned in on, you know, it used to be on Friday nights. So you would come, you would actually, there were a lot of people who stayed home and watched the X-Files instead of going out. Um, so it was, it was tough for me. I used to tape it. I used to have the VCR and tape it um, and, and watch it with friends. Uh, but it's one of my favorite shows from the 90s. And, you know, it taps into everything that was great, you know, paranoia and conspiracy theories and Roswell and, you know, and also having science fiction overtones. So, like, you know, Dana Scully is the scientist that doesn't want to believe, and she's the skeptic paired with the true believer, um, and tracking down weird files in the FBI, uh, the X-Files, so to speak. And um, the show is back, uh, premiered to huge ratings on Sunday night. Um, and the thing about it, the ratings are off the charts. There are 13.5 million people tuned in uh, to, to see the revival of the X-Files. Uh, which is a five share, which is absolutely huge, especially with um, the problems that went on with the DVRs and whatnot that are that are people are going to be talking about for weeks. Uh, basically, the the DVRs weren't set, and then Fox kind of messed up when they were going to end it and when they were going to begin it. So there's going to be a huge controversy there. People were missing pieces of the episode. Um, people were trying to tape it. So we should see some more. The numbers could actually get bigger if if that's possible. Um, and here's here's the rub. It, it it felt creaky. It felt a little bit um, like it was recycled. Now now we're in an era of nostalgia that makes you feel good, makes you jump up, makes you you know love the stuff you you remembered. Uh, the Force Awakens has been re- you know remarkable in that regard. This this past December, uh, Creed did it as well. What what you loved about Rocky is what you love about Creed. Um, Mad Max Fury Road did it during the summer. Uh, you know, if you love the Mad Max movies, uh, Tom Hardy's version of Mad Max with George Miller, the original creator of Mad Max, bringing him back out of the mothballs, all tapped into the nostalgia vein, but they were all exceedingly better than the product I saw last night. Um, you know, the, again, it, it, I can't fault them for having a rough episode, mainly because of the amount, the sheer volume of what they had to get done, because it. It's at once a reboot, plus a reunion show, plus you know a sequel to movies that are, that that came out, plus a sequel to whatever else is going on. You know, so it, they had, you know Chris Carter had a tough task, um, but you know we're we're in a world where nine eleven and drones and there's so many things that the X file was the X Files was early on that I think fans are kind of hoping that it's that it'll it'll find its legs. Uh, you know, it is only a six episode miniseries, so it's very small, um, very small sample size, and whether or not the show is going to come back will um, obviously be up to Chris Carter and Glenn Morgan and the stars of the show. Um, they, you know, David Duchovny has done other things. Uh, certainly, G- Gillian, Gillian Anderson has done other things. But, you know, uh, the the premise of a reboot of a show like this when you did all the other things going on with the X-Files movies and with the end of the series where they, they kind of found the conspiracy, they were trying to, you know, fight whatever fight, and, you know, Scully eventually became a believer when she was the skeptic. 
one of the interesting things about this reboot is that in order to reboot it and bring it back, you have to dumb it down a little bit to get new people into the show, and then you also have to be able to take the characters from all the... the how they grew, because as the show grew, Scully became the believer, and Mulder kind of became a skeptic of what he was seeing, what he was doing. So they switched roles midway through the series, which was kind of a genius thing. Um, and one of the things that, in picking up the pieces and doing this reboot... Uh, you know, and hopefully it's not just a cash grab for Carter and Duchovny and Anderson. But, you know, some of these things are going to be, you know, we're going to have reboots that, that are that way. Uh, but basically in doing that, they had to take the characters back, strip them down a little bit and re-give re them their, their skeptic shine or their believer shine or whatever they're going to do. Um, you know, this conspiracy in the first episode has to do with Roswell again. Um which is basically the the birthplace of any great conspiracy, American conspiracy theories. And so you're going to have, uh, you know, kind of dominate the proceeding. The alien DNA is, again, viable. Um, and, and right at the end of the episode, they reopen the X-Files. So, you know, one wonders if during this six-episode arc, if we're going to get the Monster of the Week episodes and some of the, the standalone episodes that had nothing to do with mythology were some of the best episodes of the X-Files. Home, and the Fluke Man, and, and Eugene Toomes. And the, you know, characters that you, you loved as villains and, and just weird scientific stuff going on. Um, whether or not we get that with this small arc, because again, it's a small sampling of, of episodes, will be key on whether or not the show survives and whether or not this particular incarnation of the show survives. Um, I... I from what I've seen, you know what, it could be the fact that we are in a nostalgia phase of the world and we just want to wrap ourselves up in things we really love, um, you know, like Star Wars and Creed and Mad Max. But those three things all had a, a hint of, of quality, an air of quality about them that were that made them as good of, as their predecessors or in some cases um, maybe even better. Like Fury Road is Mad Max stripped to its essence and put out there, very little dialogue, you know, real stunts. So that that's an interesting place we need to go with the X-Files reboot. Um, and one can only hope that they recapture the magic that they had, um, the chemistry between the leads and the chemistry between the creator and his, his characters, um, and hopefully we'll get the X-Files the way we want it back. Now, I think people are going to tune in. I think we're in a place where we want to wrap ourselves up in, in stuff we love. We want to wrap ourselves up in um, things we love. And, and, you know, we're in a dark, kind of a dark, weird time. And we kind of just want comfort. And studio heads realize this. So studios look at it and go, you know, I want the lowest possible investment with the biggest possible bang for my buck. And that's reboots and f franchise you know, reinvigorations is what I want, I'm going to call them. And basically, that's what we have here. The funny thing about that is we are more than willing as an audience right now to take stuff we love and just get to see it again. So it's it's a weird place. You know, it's kind of like we can be preyed upon for our for our loves, you know. And it, it, so I hope the X-Files isn't going to do that. They, they did introduce a few characters, um, a character that, you know, has like a, a weird conspiracy show, uh, played by Joel McHale, named Tad. Uh, you know, very few Tads as you see in pop culture, but there's a Tad, um, and he's 
kind of at the heart of where we're going. I, I don't know what, what's going to happen. Um, but Dana and her her alien hybridization that played a large part in the the, the end of the series and the movies uh, is apparently also on display. But I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not we'll get back to Movie of the Week episodes. I hear tonight's, uh, the, the Monday night, first Monday night episode, episode two, does have a Movie of the Week, a Monster of the Week kind of feel to it. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll get back to what we love about the X-Files and maybe we will be able to say we, we love this reboot. It got me thinking, what what kind of things would you like to see rebooted? Like, what shows that, that you loved? You know, because we're getting a fuller house at the end, of, like in the middle of this year from Netflix. There's a lot of things about nostalgia right now that's that's happening. The three things that came that popped immediately in my mind, the Joss Whedon universe, the Whedonverse, is where I would like to see, I would love to see something with Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and, of course, Firefly. Firefly never really got a chance at all because it only had 13 episodes that Fox aired out of order incorrectly during its original run because they didn't get the show. Uh, and then the Serenity movie, which is very, very good. Um, so, something to think about. Um, I am going to respond, uh, as this is our first show, I'm going to respond to comments and I'm going to respond to uh, questions or queries in the comments section uh, for the podcast. So if you have a reboot, a show that you'd love to see brought back, I know um, I know a couple like cartoon shows, like I know Justice League Unlimited is a cartoon show, or Young Justice is a, a show that people would like to see brought back. Gargoyles, um, the Disney show, is also something I really loved when I was younger. Um, and, you know, there's always talk of a live-action Gargoyles, which would just be crazy. Um Thundercats also just thrown out there. This is where my mind goes. My mind jumps to stuff I love. So, uh, but if there's something that you would like to see rebooted or some, a movie or franchise from the nineties or eighties or even seventies or something rebooted, um, let me know, leave it in the comments. We'll talk about it the next time, uh, whether or not that's a good idea or what, what I think could work or who maybe a filmmaker or somebody that could bring something to the table. Um, and make it special, kind of like J.J. did with Force Awakens and kind of like Ryan Coogler did with Creed. But, okay, so that's what that's what we're going to get. This is our first episode. I'm very excited about being here on the Beats and Eats Network. I hope you tune in. I hope you decide to listen. Um, what we're going to do, just so we're clear, I'm going to try to do two episodes a week. They're going to be anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes, 23 minutes. Uh, we're pushing 25 now. Anywhere from 15 minutes to a half hour in length, I guess, on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, the Monday episode will be, you know, some sort of review of a week, a movie we saw over the weekend. Uh, and also sometimes, uh, we'll do box office results that sometimes tie into movie news. Uh, because I don't have a review for this week, I'm going to give you a movie that you need to find either streaming or on Netflix or on cable or somewhere. There's a movie called Begin Again. It has Kira Knightley, Mark Ruffalo, Catherine Keener. It is fantastic. It's about a music exec. Uh, drunken music exec who's left his family a little bit down on his luck, finds a young ingenue in New York City and basically uh, you know, tries to bring her into the music business. Karen Knightley is fantastic in it. The movie, and James Corden is in it from the Late 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 Show on CBS. It is a really well done movie. I enjoyed it thoroughly and the music is great. Very well done and something you should seek out. So that's the review for the weekend. It's something I saw over the weekend that that because I didn't see another movie because I was wrapped up in other pop culture, uh, Royal Rumble, uh, WWE, and also a little bit of football. So um, go see Begin Again. Try to find it. You'll love it. It's a great movie. Mark Ruffalo is great. Knightley's great. Um, Corden's really good. So a ton of good things there. 
We're going to do a movie review on, on Mondays. We're going to do box office and a little bit of news. On Thursdays, we're going to do a movie preview and try to get a guest, uh, somebody from a good website or a filmmaker or something that ties into uh, this great big thing we, we love, the movie business that we love so much, and we'll go from there. Um, thank you for tuning in to our first episode. I appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you turn in again. And the concession stand, Beats and Eats, awesome. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.